Chapter thirty two of Nature and Art. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michael Fascio. Nature and Art by Elizabeth Inchbald. Chapter thirty two. The pleasure of a mother which Agnes experienced did not make her insensible to the sorrow of a daughter. Her parents had received the stranger child, along with the fabricated tale she told of its appertaining to another, without the smallest suspicion. But, by the secret diligence of the curate, and the nimble tongues of his elder daughters, the report of all that had passed on the subject of this unfortunate infant soon circulated through the village, and Agnes, in a few weeks had seen her parents pine away in grief and shame at her loss of virtue. She perceived the neighbors avoid or openly sneer at her, but that was little. She saw them slight, her aged father and mother upon her account, and she now took the resolution rather to perish for want in another part of the country than live where she was known, and so entail an infamy upon the few who loved her. She slightly hoped, too, that by disappearing from the town and neighbourhood some little reward might be allowed her for her banishment by the dean's family. In that she was deceived. No sooner was she gone, indeed, than her guilt was forgotten, but with her guilt her wants. The dean and his family rejoiced at her and her child's departure, but as this mode she had chosen chanced to be no specified condition in the terms proposed to her, they did not think they were bound to pay her for it and while she was too fearful and bashful to solicit the dean, and too proud, forlorn as she was, to supplicate his son, they both concluded she wanted for nothing, for to be poor, and too delicate to complain, they deemed incompatible. To heighten the sense of her degraded, friendless situation, she knew that Henry had not been unmindful of his promise to her, but that he had applied to his cousin in her and his child's behalf, for he had acquainted her that William's answer was, all obligations on his part were now undertaken by his father, for that, Agnes, having chosen, in a fit of malignity, upon his marriage, to apprise the dean of their former intercourse, such conduct had for ever cancelled all attention due from him to her, or to her child, beyond what its bare maintenance exacted. In vain had Henry explained to him, by a second application, the predicament in which poor Agnes was involved before she consented to reveal her secret to his father. William was happy in an excuse to rid himself of a burthen, and he seemed to believe, what he wished to be true, that she had forfeited all claim to his farther notice. Henry informed her of this unkind reception of his efforts in her favour in as gentle terms as possible, for she excited his deepest compassion. Perhaps our own misfortunes are the cause of our pity for others, even more than their ills, and Henry's present sorrows had softened his heart to peculiar sympathy in woe. He had unhappily found that the ardour which had hurried him to vindicate the reputation of Rebecca was likely to deprive him of the blessing of her for ever becoming his, proved an offender instead of his wife. For the dean, chagrined that his son was at length nephew, submitted to the temptation of punishing the latter, while he forgave the former. He sent for Henry, and, having coldly congratulated him on his and Rebecca's innocence, represented to him the impropriety of marrying the daughter of a poor curate, and laid his commands on him, 
never to harbor such an intention more. Henry found this restriction so severe that he would not promise obedience, but on his next attempt to visit Rebecca, he met a positive repulse from her father, who signified to him that the dean had forbidden him to permit their farther acquaintance, and the curate declared that for his own part he had no will, judgment, or faculties, but that he submitted in all things to the superior clergy. At the very time young Henry had received the proposal from Mr. Rymer of his immediate union with his daughter, and the dean had made no objection, Henry waived the happiness for the time present, and had given a reason why he wished it postponed. The reason he then gave had its weight, but he had another concealed, of yet more import. Much as he loved, and looked forward with rapture to that time when every morning, every evening, and all the day he should have the delight of Rebecca's society, still there was one other wish nearer his heart than this one desire which, for years, had been foremost in his thoughts, and which not even love could eradicate. He longed, he pined to know what fate had befallen his father. Provided he were living, he could conceive no joy so great as that of seeing him. If he were dead, he was anxious to pay the tribute of filial piety he owed, by satisfying his affectionate curiosity in every circumstance of the sad event. While a boy, he had frequently expressed these sentiments to both his uncle and his cousin. Sometimes they apprised him of the total improbability of accomplishing his wishes. At other times, when they saw the disappointment weigh heavy on his mind, they bade him wait till he was a man before he could hope to put his designs to execution. He did wait, but on the very day he arrived at the age of twenty-one, he made a vow, that to gain intelligence of his father should be the first important act of his free will. Previously to this time, he had made all the inquiries possible, whether any new adventure to that part of Africa in which he was bred was likely to be undertaken. Of this there appeared to be no prospect till the intended expedition to Sierra Leone was announced, and which favoured his hope of being able to procure a passage, being those adventurers, so near to the island on which his father was, or had been, prisoner, as to obtain an opportunity of visiting it by stealth. Fearing contention, or the being dissuaded from his plans if he communicated them, he not only formed them in private, but he kept them secretly, and his imagination filled with the kindness, the tenderness, the excess of fondness he had experienced from his father, beyond any other person in the world, he had thought with delight on the separation from all his other kindred, to pay his duty to him, or to his revered memory. Of late, indeed, there had been an object introduced to his acquaintance, from whom it was bitter to part, but his designs had been planned and firmly fixed before he knew Rebecca, nor could he have tasted contentment even with her at the expense of his piety to his father. In the last interview he had with the dean, Henry, perceiving that his disposition towards him was not less harsh than when, a few days before, he had ordered him on board a vessel, found this the proper time to declare his intentions of accompanying the fleet to Sierra Leone. His uncle expressed surprise, but immediately gave him a sum of money in addition to that he had sent him before, and as much as he thought might defray his expenses, and, as he gave it, by his willingness, his look, and his accent, he seemed to say, I foresee this is the last time you will ever require. Young William, though a very dutiful son, was amazed when he heard of Henry's project, 
as the serious and settled resolution of a man. Lady Clementina, Lord and Lady Bendham, and twenty others wished him a successful voyage, and thought no more about him. It was for Rebecca alone to feel the loss of Henry. It was for a mind like hers alone to know his worth. Nor did this last proof of it, the quitting her for one who claimed by every tie, a preference, lessen him in her esteem. When, by a message from him, she became acquainted with his design, much as it interfered with her happiness, she valued him the more for this observance of his duty, the more regretted his loss, and the more anxiously prayed for his return, a return which he, in the following letter, written just before his departure, taught her to hope for with an augmented impatience. My dear Rebecca, I do not tell you I am sorry to part from you. You know I am, and you know all I have suffered since your father denied me permission to see you. But perhaps you do not know the hopes I enjoy, which bestow on me a degree of peace, and those I am eager to tell you. I hope, Rebecca, to see you again. I hope to return to England, and overcome every obstacle to our marriage, and then, in whatever station we are placed, I shall consider myself as happy as it is possible to be in this world. I feel a conviction that you would be happy also. Some persons, I know, estimate happiness by fine houses, gardens, and parks, others by pictures, horses, money, and various things wholly remote from their own species. But when I wish to ascertain the real felicity of any rational man, I always inquire whom he has to love. If I find he has nobody, or does not love those he has, even in the midst of all his profusion of finery and grandeur, I pronounce him a being in deep adversity. In loving you, I am happier than my cousin William, even though I am obliged to leave you for a time. Do not be afraid you should grow old before I return. Age can never alter you in my regard. It is your gentle nature, your unaffected manners, your easy cheerfulness, your clear understanding, the sincerity of all your words and actions which have gained my heart. And while you preserve charms like these, you will be dearer to me, with white hairs and a wrinkled face, than any of your sex, who, not possessing all these qualities, possess the form and features of perfect beauty. You will esteem me, too, I trust, though I should return on crutches with my poor father, whom I may be obliged to maintain by daily labor. I shall employ all my time, during my absence, in the study of some art which may enable me to support you both, provided heaven will bestow two such blessings on me. In the cheering thought that it will be so, and in that only, I have the courage, my dear, dear Rebecca, to say to you, Farewell. H. Norwin End of chapter 32